bring them out, bring them out. 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 Welcome to the Fantasy Football Fiend Podcast with your host, Zay and Young Vander. Welcome back to the show, Fantasy Football Fiend family. It's me, the Fantasy Football Fiend himself, Zay. I got my man, Young Vander, in the building. Holla at the people, Young Vander. Yo, yo, Fantasy Fiends, what's going on out there? Got bro Joe in the building. Holla at him, Joe. What's going on, Fantasy Fiend family? Let's go. Yo, we got a lot in store for you today. We got news, Rapid Fire 10, and we got your sleepers. This is the sleeper episode people that you can get towards the tail end of your draft that can end up making a defining difference in your championship run first up the news and now your fantasy news all right, so let's go ahead and hop right on into it. Got quite a bit of news going on. I think the most polarizing of which is dealing with a couple of quarterbacks. Uh, we found out that Jameis Winston and Teddy Bridgewater are going to be the starters for their prospective teams. But what do you, what do you guys think? I actually thought Drew Locke did enough to not per se lose the job. I didn't think Teddy did enough to just take the job from him, but I think they bringing him in as the free agent probably was the tipping point to really give him the job. You know, they did spend a little bit of money on him, bringing him in. Uh, as far as the Saints situation, I thought the right guy got the job. Uh, Jameis Winston definitely looked like the better quarterback, you know, quotation marks. I think uh, Taysom Hill is just more of a you know, gadget guy and of that nature. So I thought the Saints definitely got it right. But definitely was surprised about the Broncos choosing uh, Bridgewater. Yeah, I, I definitely agree. Locke had it to me. I think he took quite a bit of strides, but I think they want to be safe. Like I said, they have uh, all pro defense. Everybody's coming back extremely healthy, and they're just they just need a game manager. They need a facilitator. They need an Alex Smith, and I think that's what uh, Bridgewater was brought over to do. And be honest, Elway kind of fell out with Locke as far as him being the quarterback of the future. So now they can go ahead and reinvest their draft capital after almost getting the quarterback this year's draft. The Saints, I, I don't know. I, I think Winston clearly won it, and I think that bodes well for the offense because, you know, he's already familiar with Traquan Swift, Callaway, uh, Trotman, who just avoided a, a significant injury with the foot. I think, I hope, not even think, I hope Jameis can uh, maximize that. Yeah, that's going to be interesting. I, I I agree that Jameis should have won the job. Uh, he was the only quarterback on the roster. Uh, they had, you know, as Vander refers to him, the, the gadget guy in Hill. I think Hill would have been the better fantasy quarterback, though. But how do you guys think that that decision is going to affect the prospective teams as far as from a fantasy standpoint? I know from an NFL standpoint, I think that the teams did what was best for them to win games. I think in for the Broncos, it was a matter of who's least likely to give the game away. And with the Saints, it was who's most likely to get the ball down the field. So from an NFL perspective, they made the right move. But how do you think this is going to affect the players around them, the fantasy-relevant players around them, uh, with these decisions being made? From a fantasy aspect, the Denver Bronco move definitely helped out a guy like Jerry Judy. Absolutely. Who's considered like a top five route run in the league. His skill set really fits Bridgewater better being that Drew Locke is more of a guy that want to push it downfield. I'm not sure how it does for Noah Fant. I don't, I don't think it really helps him. I don't think it really hurts him. I think he kind of just, you know, just stays there. Uh, as far as the Saints, I think Jameis coming in definitely helps out the receivers. This has been the first time the Saints will be able to push the ball downfield in a while. Even when they had Drew Brees in the latter years, he wasn't able to, like, really get the ball downfield vertically. As far as Alvin Kamara, helps him a little more as far as, you know, catching the ball at the backfield. So I, I think the skill set, the skill players in the Saints definitely seen a benefit by Jameis being at the helm than uh, Taysom Hill for sure. Yeah, I think same, just the same thing. Jerry Judy definitely has so much upside. This helps Noah Fant immensely. It kind of also bodes well for Melvin Gordon's potential if he stays healthy, if he remains the running back. 
because Bridgewater is he's 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 a facilitator. He's definitely a game manager and he's going to spread the uh, ball around, but he knows how to give, you know, his receivers targets. He he definitely had double digit 100-yard uh targets for DJ Moore and Anderson. So whoever's going to be next to Judy, whether Sutton finally comes back or shoot, can't, you know, Hamler cuz uh, Sutton and Patrick acting like they still hurt. Uh Saints I think this is the best thing that could happen for Callaway, and hopefully we'll get to cover him later on in the show. And if Traquan Smith ever had a last chance in the world, is now on Jameis to kind of bring out that potential. Trotman, like I said, avoiding injury, he's going to come into a good role. And Jawan Johnson, the tight end for there too, I just think it helps the offense. They get to kind of move away from having all those receivers. They're going to be able to now spread the field out. And Latavius Murray definitely catches passes as well, so... It helps both offense, all their weapons. The main thing that I see increasing for Kamara and it's major of major relevance. He doesn't have to worry about the quarterback stealing the goal line touches. That's that's exactly what, what was going to happen if Hill uh, was at the helm. I really feel like um, Hill would have taken several goal line touches versus it going to Kamara. Uh, kind of the same scenarios you see in Buffalo that you see in Baltimore or whenever you have a quarterback that's likely to run in six, seven, eight touchdowns in a season, it greatly affects the numbers of the running back. So I really think that that's going to help out Alma Kamara, who, in my opinion, is one of the the top-notch running backs out there right now, regardless of who would have ended up there. But I think it definitely bodes well for him. I see a little bit of news indicating that Brandon Ayuk is dealing with a minor hamstring injury. Barry, there we go again, one of your guys. Uh, <laughs> One of them 49ers that uh that Shannon Hand lo- loves to get those those mass unit guys. I-, I don't know what's going on out there, but we, we got another uh, soft tissue injury. Yeah, man. What can you say? It's just a cloud over the head of those 49ers skill set players. Uh, I don't know. I really don't know about that one, man. It's just another day. Another day in 49er land. Do you think it'll end up um, having a, a lasting effect, or is it one of those have? Hey, it's just a precautionary type thing in your in, in your estimation, or? I would say it's a precautionary thing right now, but one thing about soft tissue injuries, you never know. Yeah. You know, one day you wake up and you can't go. I haven't seen guys come back and play from a hamstring injury in a week, some six weeks. You know, growing, same thing, four weeks, eight weeks. You just never really know. So you just want to pay attention to it and I guess monitor the situation if he's on your fantasy team or if you're thinking about drafting him in the upcoming draft in your league. But it's just one of those things that we've been dealing with in the 49 account. And I know this is considered to be draft weekend for most. So without necessarily getting more information than we have in the moment, would you say that that changes where you would draft him currently? Or would he still be right around where he currently is for you? I think he's right around where you want him. But if there was a guy that you was thinking about, like if you was in between him or this guy, maybe you want to consider the other guy. You know, sometimes you get in the draft and you like you like two guys that's right near each other. You may want to go with a more healthier option. Right, definitely. It looks like Marvin Jones, he wasn't spotted at practice today. And um, it looks like he has a AC joint sprain. They're saying that he may be ready for week one. It isn't expected to prevent him from, from showing up for week one, but they, they aren't I giving any nothing definitive at the moment. I think he'd be fine. What you think, Joe? It's the same thing with Justin Jefferson had in uh I think he's gonna like you said, he's gonna come back by if not weeks one, he's gonna go into it at least doubtful, but he'll play. And it also looks like Kenny Galladay is still dealing with his hamstring injury. He won't be suiting up for the preseason finale, uh, going against the Patriots. He never even was considered to be a candidate to return Sunday. So it wasn't even one of those, oh, yeah, he's ready to rock, but we're going to give him a little bit more time. It's like, nah, if if this was a a regular season game this Sunday, he wouldn't be playing. This has been like, I want to say like going on like three, four weeks now that this uh, hamstring has kind of been hampering him. So you deal with the fact that he's new to the team and the quote-unquote veteran wide receivers, if you will, your Slayton, Shepard, they already have the rapport necessary uh, with Daniel Jones, and this is just making Galladay fall further down the draft board for me. Buyer, beware. Absolutely. That's all I'm gonna say about that. That's, I wouldn't. I wouldn't touch him. He didn't have any rapport with Daniel Jones to begin with. 
in the uh, offseason and training camp, so I'm I'm off of them. I'm going to give you all a little bit of a prognostication here, okay? We had a couple of transactions go down, right? So we had Wade, who's the rookie uh, cornerback from Baltimore, traded to the Patriots. And then we saw Ezekiel Elliott restructure his contract bonus to create a little bit more cap room for Dallas. Now, I'm not, you know, friends with Deion Warwick. I'm not cousins with Miss Cleo, but I have a sneaky suspicion that you may see the Patriots trade Stephon Gilmore to Dallas. I'm not exactly sure what they're going to get in return, but if we had a, a, a feeling that Gilmore was going to stay, I don't see how we would trade for a rookie cornerback. We we, we had depth at that position already. We have a ton of cornerbacks. Yeah, so so it just tells me that Gilmore might be on out the door. And, th- and then he hasn't played in any preseason games, trying to kind of trying to keep the bubble wrap on him. I, I think you may see a move made soon. And I know for sure Dallas is one of those teams that kind of need a corner. And if they get that secondary together, they already have the offense. They should have the defensive line. Michael Parsons should make a hell of a defensive difference at the linebacker position. So, I mean, Jerry already said he's willing to break the bank to try to get to another Super Bowl. He might feel like, you know, Shoring up that secondary with one of the best cornerbacks in the game might be the move to make. And it feels as if Bill Belichick is preparing for that inevitable separation. What do y'all think about that? I definitely can see the Patriots trading Stephon Gilmore. I thought it went down last year, to be honest with you. I did but too. What make you say the Cowboys? And I don't even know if they have enough cap space to, even with the restructure, to fit that contract. That's a big contract. It is, but it isn't. Because they can, re- he's looking for a new contract anyway, and they're going to make other moves. The cap is going to go up. They just have to figure out how to pay him for this year and then go ahead and give him a contract that'll keep him there for the, you know, but basically until he's done playing football. But I have a sneaky suspicion that they're going to try to figure out, they're trying to create cap room right now. And like you said, I want to say last episode or possibly episode before last. There are going to be some names that are going to shock you that aren't necessarily bad players, but for business reasons, teams are going to have to make certain moves. Them restructuring Zeke and trying to figure out how to create more cap room says that they're trying to figure out some type of a move to make. That's I can't see that move being on um, <laughs> offense. They don't really have a need for another defensive lineman. They don't really have a need for another defensive linebacker. It would have to be in the secondary. So that's kind of the tea leaves that I'm reading. I said show before last that um sony michelle was probably going to end up going to the rams look what happened i mean that's a little more you know clearer than than what you're saying now the cowboys that's a little yeah i think with the cowboys you know in their situation they just want they're saying they wanted to create more cap for you know all the covid precautions and things of that nature it's more so them thinking about the season but hypothetically, Stefan Gilmer is only $7 million this year. So oh, that's no. why he's holding out altogether. $7 million, that's, that's nothing. Yeah, he so, deserves more than that. I'm not saying which, is, which is why I said with restructuring Zeke's contract, it gives them enough leeway to be able to pay him for this year. And then they can do whatever they need to do in the offseason, cut who needs to be cut, et cetera, et cetera, to keep him long term. But I'm just saying, like, if they want to go for the gusto, they already have the offense. They just need the defense. Just saying. I agree, but that's a lot of $100 million contracts on their team. You deal with this year, this year, next year, next year. It's a $7 million contract. Your offense is good enough to get you to the championship, but your defense is going to lose it for you. Get them now. Deal with next year, next year. But that's just, I think that's one just of these, my thing. Uh, DB needy teams like uh, – Philadelphia Eagles. I think their cap is messed up, though. Their cap oh, is yeah. worse than Dallas, if I'm not mistaken. I don't exactly remember what their, cap their team was. is making money, though. Besides like Fletcher Cox, I don't. Who else? Man, um, so how they did their? I think they um, got dead cap with Wentz still. They got a lot. They got a ton of dead cap, even going back from deals they signed two or three years ago before they made the switch in their organization. They're like. They're pressed for money right now. They're like Do they still have Alshon Jeffrey? No. Um, no, he's a free agent. Ooh, good. Because, man, he had a uh, he, he had a gun at their head for a while. Okay. And that's the type of contract that got <laughs> them in the city. I mean, they have very little talent, but right. cash strapped. And that's not a good combination at all. Mike Williams, one of Joe's guys, he's returned to practice. He was having a uh, – he had a hip injury. So he did return to practice. It looks like uh, he's going to be uh, good to go. They're not saying whether he's going to participate in the season finale or preseason finale um, on Saturday against Seattle. But he he is at least back in practice, which definitely bodes well for his week one prognosis. Hey, Joe, uh, maybe you can help me with this one. Uh, I know Mike Williams is a 
kind of had some issues in the past with injuries. Was the hip? Was that his issue, or was it a back? He's had uh, hip, he did have a hip issue, um, but I don't think he's had a back either. I forget. Believe it or not, he's one of those players that he he's like Julio, where he shows up injured, but he hasn't missed uh, much time since his rookie year. That was the most time he's ever missed. Even last year, he finished. He did 15 games last year, so he's you know, pretty. He one of those guys. I, I would like to see him just like a Julio. And even like a Calvin Johnson in the past, like I would like for those guys to be able to show up 100% healthy for a season. I think just a lot of these guys, yeah, just once, like you hardly <laughs> ever see them 100. I think Julio been playing banged up for a while. And I'm just like, you know, with Mike Williams, another guy, like it's, it's a lot of knickknack injuries and, you know, but they never like 100% at the gate, you know, at the very beginning. It's always like they're dragging in. It's crazy. Yeah, and I think what he's what Lombardi was brought in to do as offensive court, uh, coordinator. Like I said in last week's show, this kid has the uh, very high ceiling with the how they're looking to get him the ball. They particularly made him the ex receiver to get him more involved because he is putting up touchdowns like crazy. So yeah, hopefully that hamstring pan out. I'm, I'm hoping it is. And I believe that'll about wrap up the news. Next up, rapid fire ten. Rapid Fire 10. Rapid Fire 10. Rapid Fire 10. We got 10 questions, 10 answers that fantasy fiends want to know. Let's get right into it. This guy asks, do I draft Corey Davis or Antonio Brown? Corey, Corey Davis. Davis. You got uh, AJ Green or Deshaun Jackson? AJ. I'm going to go with uh, Deshaun. Okay. Would y'all okay. care to, since y'all have different answers, would y'all care to elaborate on y'all? Sure. Both of them, in my eyes, have about the same likelihood of getting hurt. But what I do know is that in that Rams offense, as long as Deshaun Jackson is healthy and until he gets hurt, he is a play away from a 80-yard bomb from Matthew Stafford. Um, <laughs> if, if you can think of what Brandon Cooks was in that offense, how he was the big play guy, Deshaun Jackson is a hell of a lot better at doing what they wanted uh, Brandon Cooks to do. AJ has lost the step as well as health issues. When when Deshaun is healthy, he he's just as fast as he as he's always been, which is remarkable. Yeah, I love Deshaun Jackson. I love his career. I love everything he's been able to do being from Jersey, you know, Philly right there. But the only thing I can say is that offense is that schematically it's Woods, Cup, and then everybody else. And yes, Deshaun is going to make that big play, but Atwell is really good. Van Jefferson is really good. Even though we know his role is to take the top off of the offense, I just think it's going to be scarcity. It's going to be weeks where he goes off, and then it's going to be weeks that he's going to be relatively quiet because of the, the fact of, you know, Coop and Woods. You know, I feel like, yes, last year with the Bengals, he he really was truly recovering through an injury while still trying to play at the same time. And finally having a full offseason to completely recover and to get into the field, I love what they're going to be able to do. They're going to have to throw the ball 450 times. And if he can just – if he can have the same production he had last year, but in this new offense and healthy, I'll take that upside any day. I don't see him having the same or even remotely. Okay, this guy here says Daryl Henderson or Kareem Hunt. I'm going to go with uh, Henderson. I'm going to go with Kareem Hunt. Come on, I'm Joe. Not, I'm not – I love <laughs> Daryl Henderson. I, I love him. He's a good kid. But I know what I'm getting out of Kareem. I know he's going to still get, you know, 12 touches. He's going to be vital in the receiving game. And damn sure he's the second coming to Nick Chubb barring injury. Daryl Henderson is, if it's not vindictive of a committee, I think getting Sony Michelle tells you how much they believe in him. I didn't look at that move as being a knock against Henderson. I looked at that move as being a knock against Xavier Jones. So I don't, I don't think that they believe they had a good enough backup to Henderson uh, to go into the season with just Jones. I look at what Sony Michelle has been able to do with the Patriots over the years. It's nothing that says, oh, he's going to come in and take someone's job. I mean, in the same offensive setup last year, Henderson actually got almost a mirror image of the stats that Cam Akers had. And both of them dealt with injury in a few of those games. So I don't see Sony Michelle coming in and taking over. And if I can get a guy who's starting the season, at least as the starter in the offense, and he has the opportunity to keep that job versus having to choose a guy that will only hit pay 
dirt on the injury to Chubb to maximize his output to whereas Henderson might be able to maximize his output from week one. Which Texas running back should I own? None. None. <laughs> Another question is the same. Uh, which Buccaneer running back should I own? I'm going to put a caveat in this one. I honestly believe that the Buccaneer running back to own, if you're in a PPR, is Giovanni Bernard. And the reason for that is you can get him for nothing. And if he's going to have the same role that James White had with the Patriots, which essentially Tom Brady has recreated the Patriots offense and then added Bruce Arians' philosophy of no risk it, no biscuit. So there's a lot more deep throws, but he still needs that outlet because unlike some of these other quarterbacks, he has zero running capabilities his running back is his get out of trouble move so i can see giovanni having a consistent role unlike both jones and leonard fournette who will vulture from each other i also see giovanni bernard being the running back who will end up being in the game in like two minute situations when you can rack up quite a few points in the ppr league just in that two minute drill so i think his floor is definitely going to be higher than the others if we're looking at a standard league i would probably go with Ronald Jones because he's the one that's most likely to get the goal line work and I honestly think Fournette's just going to be 1B to Ronald Jones' 1A. Yeah, I agree. It's, it's, it's Bernard by by far and he can run the ball too so it is, like you said, situational dependent but he's going to get catches regardless. I would still clear they backfield altogether but I definitely that too. I got to go with Zay. Bernard is the best way to go. Kyle Pitts are the tight end from Detroit. Hawkinson. I'm going Pitts all the way. I really think we've seen what Darren Waller can do. This is, if not better than what his sample size has been in the NFL. They're going to move him around. He's going to play the slot. He's going to play the X receiver. They're going to, he's not just the conventional tight end because they have the luxury of having Hayden Hurst, who's a tremendous run blocker. I got to go with my man, TJ. I believe that if you look at the Lions offense, Terrell Williams is already hurt. Perriman is already hurt. They're essentially going to be depending on Amara St. Brown and I don't even know who else they may have catching the ball at this point that isn't hurt. Cephas, I think. But but I think he was dealing with an injury at some point as well. Like They they had a whole mass unit as far as their receivers are concerned. But TJ Hawkinson, if you look at how he was used in the offense last year, you know that he can definitely catch the ball. He's going to be the number one target in this offense. Like I always say, volume is king. For Pitts, that's my guy. However, Hawkinson doesn't have a Calvin Ridley. I can't even say for sure that Hawkinson has a Russell Gage. So I don't believe that he's going to have to share quite as much. Also looking at the fact that this is year one for tight ends, it does normally take, you know, a little bit of time to kind of, you know, get your legs up under you. So I'm going to go with the guy that already showed promise last year that this is going to be his breakout year. Pitts is the hotness right now, drafted number five and all that good stuff. But just a few short years ago, Hawkinson was drafted number eight. So a essentially the same draft capital. They were both drafted to be great tight ends. One has already shown that he can do that in the league, so I'm going to go with that guy. When you mention Waller, TJ Hawkinson has more of a chance to have that Waller-type situation than Pitts does because, again, Hawkinson doesn't have a Calvin Ridley. That's the reason that the offense for the Raiders runs through Waller because he's their best pass catcher. That's what I see for TJ Hawkinson. He's their best pass catcher. Calvin Ridley is going to command, what, another safety? Or to me, which one is a better matchup? Him going against a lack of a safety or focusing on Hawkinson where you can just put cover two over him, have somebody over the top, have a linebacker play him, have a slot corner over him. Pitts is going to stretch a defense farther than even with Ridley. Really doesn't even matter because he's going to command a double team. So to my point, I'm dealing with somebody who's going to be moved around in the offense, treated as a slot receiver, outside receiver with a 4-3-8 speed. And who's after Ridley? Like you said, Russell Gage is a a serviceable receiver in the NFL, but we're talking fantasy. That does nothing. He's going to get to me by far more opportunities. Okay. That's well, you know what, Joe? Say less. It's going on the board. No, I definitely agree with Hawkinson Joe with that. versus Pitts. I don't think really should be looked at as uh, someone that's going to hurt you. You know what I mean? I think it helps, if anything. Hawkinson not having a Ridley, that's on him. I mean, like Joe said, this guy going to demand double teams and a lot of defenses are going to roll coverage his way. And so I think Pitt's going to see a lot of one-on-ones out there. And, and, and as big as a guy he is and fast as he is, things going to be trouble. Are there any defenses I can draft and set and forget? There are several, but 
here's the thing. If you're in a, let's say your average size league, 10 or 12 players, it doesn't really matter to a certain extent who your defense is. And the reason I say that is you're going to give up something to get that higher defense in most of your home leagues. You're going to have to pick those upper echelon defenses in the place where you can still get running backs and wide receivers that would be legitimate options in your flex spot. That would be legitimate options for bye weeks. I would prefer to go that route versus, let's say, getting your Rams defense, Washington defense, Baltimore defense, Pittsburgh defense, etc. Yes, those are the best but your other defenses aren't going to be that far away. Right now, they have New England and Chicago slated as being 10th and 11th best defenses, and I would take either one of those defenses on a weekly basis as well. So I would just get what's left over after everyone else foolishly wasted a pick on the defense, and I scooped up another wide receiver, running back, or backup quarterback, whatever the case may be. It seems like it's not that important, but I've seen defense win some games, man. Remember Absolutely, Patriots? I agree. Remember the Patriots two years ago mm-hmm. on that run, man. Every week they was putting out big double-digit points. And let's not even go back to when the Chicago Bears had Devin Hester. Good Lord. Absolutely. Oh, <laughs> Special teams makes a huge right. – yeah, I agree so, with that. What you think, but it's Joe? so random, though. You know, you got some streamers there. And even Tampa Bay, we got to low-key yeah. give Tampa Bay their prop. And they return their whole roster. You're going to have flex options. Like you said, focus on your flex, your, your kicker. I'll focus more on kicker, like y'all said. Nail the kicker down if it's, if it's a choice between the two. Real quick here. You got Los Angeles Rams as the number one. And this is just consensus ranking, not necessarily my personal ranking. You got the Rams. You got the Washington football team, Pittsburgh Steelers, Baltimore, San Fran, Tampa Bay, Indy, New England, New Orleans, Miami, Buffalo, and then the Chargers. And then after that, you have the Broncos. uh, You have the Bears. You have Cleveland. Minnesota's defense is going to be much improved. So I just say that to say, like, even if a couple of teams get two defenses and you end up getting the 14th best, it's not really that big of a deal, in my opinion. Tom Brady or Matthew Stafford? Stafford. Yeah, Stafford. Matt Ryan or Trevor Lawrence? Ryan. <laughs> you know what? I'm gonna go Trevor Lawrence. I think you know it's a lot of people have been taking a lot out of context with preseason. I mean, I'm not gonna lie; he's he's looking pretty raw. He's he's not showing what he showed in Clemson. Raw is but, a very nice term to use for what he's looked like. But, go but ahead. <laughs> what I like is that when he finally gets in the groove, which is I think he's going to be fine two or three games into the season. He has a plethora of wide receivers, and they're they're going to bomb it. He's looking garbage right now. I mean, we're going to say garbage. He just don't look engaged to me. Somewhat his his uh, body language just don't look like he's happy to be there. That man looks like what, what Smokey was doing when Ezel was walking by. That's that, that what he looked like. <laughs> that, 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 let's just keep it 100. Nah, I'm sorry. I can't do it. For our last question, is Pat Firemuth a real thing? Yes. Definitely. He's a rookie. Correct. Yep. First year out of Penn State so, uh, with the Pittsburgh Steelers. I know he has a really high uh, red zone success rate coming out of Penn State, but mm-hmm. also with him being a rookie. Reminds me a lot of Heath Miller, if y'all remember him. Yeah, but, uh, yeah. Who was a favorite of big men. Right. But do you think he would have some issues, like you said, because we all know how tight ends are usually year one going into the league, so you don't see that for him. The thing I love about his situation is there are so many wide receivers surrounding him, unlike with Pitts, where, where he's going to have to be the guy. Fryer moved is like, if you were preparing a defense to go against Pittsburgh, he would be like the fourth or fifth person that, that you bring up as far as paying attention to. So that's where I think he's going to be so dangerous in the red zone. This guy is a monster at route running. He's a monster at getting position um, on the defensive player, kind of like boxing out, if you will, in basketball. So I believe that he's going to have an opportunity, especially in the red zone between him and Najee Harris. They'll be the the, the dump off guys. If things go right, he can be one of those uh, people that we see come out of nowhere and, and is a staple in the land of tight ends, especially if you're looking at it from a dynasty perspective. Oh, yeah, I got him in dynasty for that exact reason. But also, too, Ebron is on his last wheels, man. He gets it done in the red zone, but 
I've seen him get built, beat out last year or the year before that in Indianapolis with Milcox or whatever that guy's name is in a uh, tight end. Even last year, like when they got Vance McDonald back, you could just tell, like, you know what I mean? He has his role. He's going to be, you know, the seam. He's going to take the third. He's going to get the guaranteed touchdown. But his health is the main thing holding him back. And what, what the Steelers need to do as far as contracts and renegotiating and everything, he's going to be a cap casualty regardless. So fire this guy up, like you said, in Dynasty. And if he gets hurt at least you know it's an unknown name that you can just look like all right i can put a waiver wire claim and spend no money nobody's gonna know about that kid well there we have it man rapid fire 10 rapid fire 10 Our main topic for the day, sleepers. So we're going to go through each position. We're going to give you a couple of guys that we feel the fantasy community is sleeping on. And they can far exceed where they're currently being drafted. My two quarterbacks are Ryan Fitzpatrick and Zach Wilson. Young Vander, what you got? Man, quarterback, my sleepers are Ben Roethlisberger and also Carson Wentz. Hmm. Okay. Joe, what you got? Man, I'm with Ben Roethlisberger as well, and I'm rolling it back from last week when I'm when I mentioned Kirk Cousins. My question with Big Ben is: Are we for certain that he's beyond the injury? That he still has that last ditch effort? We can tell by the structure of the current contract that it probably is his swan song year. Do you guys see him like going out on the shelf, or do you think last year was just in a vacuum and he'll go back to being what he was years prior? I mean. Well, I mean, last year he didn't have a bad season. I think that's a misconception that people have about Big Ben. I mean, he, it, he it, wasn't consistent. I guess his, the uh, man his, completed uh, 65% of his passes. What you want him to do? Th- those home road splits were like evident. Like, like it was, it was bad. He, he, yo, last season was actually one of his better fantasy seasons in comparison to his career. I mean, first couple of years in, in uh, Pittsburgh, he didn't have a good as a season as he had last year. The guy but it's like having Tyler Lockett at quarterback. The guy completed 65% of his passes. Don't worry. I, I got with Vander. And then to back up what Vander's saying, because he made impeccable points, because that his last season, I think, was just as good as his 2018 season. Right. So let's take it a step further. He just didn't have an elbow injury. He had to have total elbow reconstruction. And then he managed to have a decent season. And to your point, uh, X, they simplified the offense so much that by weeks five and on, everybody knew about it. Everybody knew already, hey, they're going to put three receivers to the side. They knew all the wide receiver concepts. Imagine what he's able to do now. And this guy is looking great. And not just in shorts, but just his arm, the trajectory, the velocity. He didn't have the deep ball to give to his, his plethora of receivers. Now, imagine what he's going to do now with that in his arsenal, with those numbers he put up last year. I think people are falling asleep right now, and they got to wake up to Ben Roethlisberger. For sure. Okay. I'm convinced. I'll put him on my sleeper list. No, don't. Please. Oh, yeah. I'm definitely going to do it, because I already know what you're going to try to do. (laughs) Yo, I'm telling you, I have Big Ben as the guy. Like He's my number one quarterback that I'm actually gunning for. If I can get Big Ben late for this value, man, please, by all means, let me let everyone fall asleep at the wheel and I'll take them. Do you guys have any doubt or any question or concern as far as Fitzpatrick and Wilson are concerned? Fitzpatrick, man, I love him. He always starts out hot, but when he's cold, he's cold. And that's what my concern is with him is just, I already know what he's going to do in the beginning of the year. But after that, I think Heineke's show going to be starting week eight, week nine. (laughs) I don't play the fantasy season by the year. In in my mind's eye, I break it up almost in quarters, um, the same way in business you would do a business year. So I'm not looking at where this person may end up. I'm looking at specifically for draft purposes, how this person is going to start. And based on how they start, that'll give me various opportunities to make different moves, whether it is I'm saying, okay, this is an even hotter start than I could have predicted. So it's time to move on unless he's going to have the best quarterback season of any quarterback ever. Like you said, his highs are high and his lows are low. So he's one of those guys that you can pay next to nothing. And because you were able to get those wide receivers, those 
uh, running backs that the other people weren't able to get because they, you know, got extra tight ends, picked defenses early, got several quarterbacks early, things of that nature. Now I can go ahead, package Fitzpatrick along with a bench running back. And because you don't have any running backs, that trade now makes sense for you because you have nothing to fill that running back spot or you have nothing to fill that wide receiver spot. So now I'm able to increase one of my starters by packaging up someone that I didn't plan on having all year anyway. So sometimes you have to kind of be uh, forward thinking. Last year when he was coming in and out between him and Tua, uh, he put up 13 touchdowns and over 2,000 yards. If you can double 2,000 yards and be somewhere in that 4,000 yard category. Why would he not be able to? The guy he has a bet- four thousand yards ever a season his whole career. Let's let's stop that, Zay. Come on, man. Don't, so, let's not do that. Let's not give, do that. You give can- me give me the season where he had the opportunity to play for the entirety of the what season. You mean he has the had, situation? He has had a couple seasons where he played a whole season. Buffalo, New York, where have you been? Tampa, he did not. But that was a few years back. I'm talking about before then. He's had whole seasons where he was the man. He was the starter. I'm, I'm I'm not looking at that far back because I don't know where he was in his progression as a quarterback. And also, just to be completely honest, I don't even remember those teams to be able to say, you know, this was the offensive situation. This was the offensive coordinator. These were the receivers that he had. I don't honestly remember the well, scenario, not, so I really not, couldn't say. Let's not look that far back. Let's look at 2019. He played 15 games. That's a season, right? When you think 15 games? Is- yeah, that's pretty, that's that's pretty close to a full season. Yeah. You know what Fitzpatrick is going to do, man. A bunch nah. of it's, it's like like Joe say, it's going to be high and lows, and you're going, oh, you're going to see a big throw, and you're going to get all excited. You're going to go three throw three touchdowns one game, you'll get all excited. And he's going to come out with a big beard and look all cool. And then next game, going to go three interceptions, and then they're going to be talking about should we bench him? It's just like I know what I'm going to get with this guy. Like you're not packaging Fitzpatrick with anybody and send to me. If I see that trade. Request in my inbox and Ryan Fitzpatrick, the first name on it, I'm hitting decline and I'm going laying back down in my bed. You're so, doing that until he puts up the numbers that I foresee uh, him doing early it's in the season. Because goal. He do it for one game or two and then it's back to who we know who you are. Come on. Again, man. understand, there are going to be quarterbacks that I feel should be higher than Fitzpatrick that aren't going to put up the numbers that he's going to put up in those first few weeks. We're talking about people that are in, for the most part, home leagues, not pro leagues, right? So the advice that I give is are always with the key theme in mind of these are people that are in, you know, neighborhood, family, work, et cetera, type leagues. And in those type leagues, people are just looking at the proof bend and the pudding. What have you done for me lately? That that We know that's not the way that you should look at things, but I'm telling you, that that's what people do. They start getting on that hype train because you're going to see all the highlights on ESPN. You're going to have the the newscasters and all the sports shows and everything selling the player for you. And you get rid of them before it's too late. But I honestly, but but like you said, he's going to have that hot start. That's all I need from you. If I can get off to a hot start and then I can figure out everything else, I'm good. Hey, Joe, we, we had the same back and forth during the quarterback tear show like I don't know what's wrong with this guy man like stop no, it this... but we know if it's somebody that can make a trade happen with Fitzpatrick is Zay he will find a way to make this the best fool's go ever that's right I, I'm, I agree with that sure. fool's go ever but stop yeah. just stop it with this Fitzpatrick talk like he's like this <laughs> and, 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 and all this is connection with Terry McLaurin so he knows where this is going so it's like I don't want to just stop it. Just I'm tired of it. Again, it's not gonna happen. T- Terry McLaurin is on the board. It's not going to happen. Um, you'll know Jesus. how wrong you were by the end of the season. Jeez Louise. And barring injury, Fitzpatrick is going to have one of the best years he's had as a quarterback. Now, moving right along to running back. Yes, sir. Vander, go ahead and start off with the running back. Uh, with the running backs, one of my sleepers is uh, Malcolm Brown. And I also like the kid from, from was it Ramon Stevenson? Yeah, from the Patriots. From the Patriots. R- Ramondre Stevenson. Ramondre Stevenson. I like him as a sleeper also this year. Especially after the uh, Sony Michelle news. I think yeah. it makes the room smaller, and I think it's more of a benefit for a guy like him. Yeah, at, at this point in that offense, there's only two first and second down backs, and that's Harris and um, Ramondre. So, uh, Joe, what you got for running back? Oh, man, I got Miles Gaskin. Okay. And then I got uh, I got Interesting. A, gotta bring my, my guy James Robinson back. I really think. Even though he's moving up in boards, I don't think people know his floor to be what it truly is. So, 
That's interesting. Real quick, he had Gaskins. I had Malcolm Brown. What you think about that? It's in my opinion. I I don't really know how Flores is going to divvy up the volume there, and and also throw in uh, uh, Salvin Ahmed. I think is his name, the third string back. Uh, mm-hmm. From from what the the head coach was saying, they're pretty much going to have a full blown committee, and that's kind of what they've shown in the preseason. Um, they actually kind of showed that they wanted Malcolm Brown to be the one. Uh, then the, the very next game, Gaskins came out, and he showed that he was probably the more talented back. I think they're going to cancel each other out. I think like that's a full-blown committee. With that being said, I got to go with the guy that you can get the latest, which is going to be Malcolm Brown. If you're going to have anywhere in the same vicinity of volume and output, then you always want to go with the person that you can get the latest. So that's kind of where I would stand if I need like a, 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 final, a final straw to kind kind of tip me over one way or the other, it would be draft capital. I think with Miles Gaskin, from year to year, we've seen his progress, but even last year, he's a do-it-all, three-down back. But he, for his size and durability, he continues to get it done even in the red zone. He was a phenomenal talent. And I think, you know, I get the guy Ahmed, and I think I liked Ahmed a lot. I like Malcolm Brown somewhat. I'm not a big fan of him more so. But Gaskin to me is somebody who only needs, he can take 12 touches, fine. But he's going to turn that into whatever many yards, whatever many receptions and two touchdowns. That's what his norm and what I got used to seeing a lot during the season because he caught 40 passes. He ran the ball just as well. I think he's averaging 4.8 a clip or something like that. Let me ask you this, Joe. Mm -hmm. What if you take away one of those touchdowns because Malcolm Brown is now the goal line person so instead of using him as a battering ram they want to use him between the 20s as that guy that can you know get that good gash play but we're not going to let you get hurt in the red zone so what if you take away instead of there being on average two now there's on average one and you give let's say of the 12 to 14 touches that he got per game you knock that down to eight and you give Malcolm uh, four of those touches in half of the goal line work what do you, what do you think then okay so when when let's Let's put it, let's do it this way. If I'm a defense and I just had to deal with Miles Gaskin and I know Malcolm Brown is going to come in, a 220-pound back is coming in. When you see a bigger back or you see someone has a certain skill set, the defense already know what time is too predictable. When Miles no, it's Gaskin, not. That's going to open not. up that play action pass. And guess you got you got that gadget guy Waddle. You focusing on the running back and he's going to hit you out of the backfield real quick. Just saying you got Gasucky at tight end. Focus on the running back, that play action pass to the tight end in the red zone. Malcolm Brown is a phenomenal two down back. But if I need somebody that's going to take it to the house, that we that's a known commodity of what he does, I'm going with Miles Gaskin. Now, for, for my two running backs, I have Javante Williams and Damian Harris. So me and Barry actually have two running backs out of the same backfield as well. Questions on either? Or are we kind of on the same page? Um, so since you are a Patriot guy and we already know how Belichick gets down, do you think early in the season we will see some uh, you know, appearances from uh, Stevenson? Absolutely. Because I think he's a guy, I mean, I don't know what's going to happen, but Given the opportunity, anything can happen. You know what I mean? So, you remember um, when LeGarrette Blunt played for the Patriots? Right. He the had like, I want to say, like 13 touchdowns in yeah. a season. However, he was kind of like the 1B back. So, I see the same type of a scenario. The same thing that I was kind of describing with the Miami backfield is what you're going to have here. Harris is going to be a between the 20s, and Stevenson is going to be a red zone guy. The difference is, unlike Brown, Stevenson is able to pop off those same type runs that Joe was describing with Gaskins. So Damian Harris is firmly entrenched as the uh, starting running back, but it could be it can easily be a split right down the middle with J.J. Taylor, who will end up being the um, third string back, just backing, you know, just spelling whoever may be the go to guy for that particular game. I but I what, see man, both of uh, them getting an injury, uh, love in every game. An injury in this situation, man, look out. To, to your point with your uh, sleeper pick, um, Harris does have a bit of an injury history. Right. So you can get Ramondre Stevenson late, late in drafts. And if Harris gets one of those, you know, mm-hmm. gets nicked up a little bit. Um, and, and I think Stevenson will be putting up fantasy points 
even beforehand um, right. if that were to happen. But, right. but if he like does one, get hurt, one, man. one less guy in the room, yeah, it's man, look out. Oh no, if 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 the one less guy is Harris, Ramondre right. is going off like right. off. Yeah, but what I don't like with Harris is just like Harris would be killing it all game, and then when you think he gonna get the red zone touch, the goal line carry, they sub in a different running back. That's, <laughs> that, that, that's exactly what I just do. said. That, that's what's gonna happen with Stevenson. Oh, but, man. but also, but also keep in mind, I love him though. The the other part of what I'm envisioning is Cam not being the starting uh, quarterback, but for so long. If not week one, um, if ever. <laughs> so if Mac Jones is the quarterback, that's going to be several more touchdowns for the running backs because he's not going to try to run it. He's going to throw it to them. That's something else that I'm envisioning that may kind of prove itself to be fruitful prior to the end of the season. Again, like Barry said, I want to say last episode, first two, three, four games in some cases, you might not see what I know my team is going to be. But I don't I don't structure my team around being the rabbit. I want to be the the tortoise. You know, I don't want to be the hare. For sure. For sure. So that's another way to think about it. Um, wide receiver sleepers. Uh, Barry, hit us off with your wide receiver These sleepers. Are good ones, man. Wide receiver sleepers. I have my guy. Everybody's hot on him right now. Marquez Callaway and the great Corey Davis. Okay. Two, two premier sleepers, I think, right now. Probably probably two hottest sleepers in the league, in my opinion considering their, their draft position. I'll go ahead and throw mine out there. It's Ruggs uh, from the Raiders. I believe that Ruggs is going to have the type of year this year that they envisioned him having um, last year. I also have Elijah Moore of the Jets. So I honestly believe, and, and you have his his counterpart there. Right. Um, I believe a lot of what we've seen in the preseason was based on him not being in those games and there only being, honestly, two targets that Wilson can count on, which is Davis and Moore. Moore, man, this guy has so much potential. This is a guy who um, numerous NFL stars have credited a lot of their success. This is the guy that made A.J. Brown cry because he was so grateful uh, for the techniques that he taught him. This is a guy that D.K. Metcalf said, in his opinion, he was better than him in so many attributes and categories. Yes, this yes. is a guy that Odell Beckham Jr. has touted. And, and when you can get this guy so very late in the draft, the, the, the arrow's pointing up for this kid. I was so glad that the uh, quad injury that he suffered wasn't anything serious. But, um, I mean, e Elijah Moore of the Jets, I really believe, bar an injury, that this guy is going to come out of nowhere and kind of take the league by storm, especially in your PPR types. Standard, I, I don't know what the touchdown situation for the team in general is going to look like this year, but in PPR, um, I absolutely love Elijah Moore. Joe, who you got for your uh, two wide receivers? Oh, yeah, I got uh, Chase Claypool and Amon Ra St. Brown. Give us a little bit of insight into Amon Ra. So Amon Ra is a tactician of a route runner. This guy is phenomenal and just like all the reasons i've said before um he's already coming in to fill in a role of a cooper cup but that's not my comparison for him um i have him between the terry mccullen like uh terry um from the redskins and a little a lot like robert woods like this guy gets a lot of separation he has a phenomenal route tree he's very deceptive in hiding his routes and being uh, very route savvy and he just gets it done he doesn't have all the measurables that a lot of people would think or would look for in a wide receiver but he's going to get so many touch he just had five targets his last game and this is the preseason mind you this is only him playing a couple a couple series a couple snaps he's he's going to be by far their best receiver and i think having Tyrell a bigger wide receiver to do like the, like he's like Tyrell is going to be his clone almost where it's like i need you to be a decoy rather i need you to be a decoy you know go run his routes these bigger receivers kind of and here i am I can play the slot. Um, and he's being trained to do all the routes, too. I've looked at Metcalf. I looked at Jefferson. And I've said, like, I called, like you said, DK Julio. Yep. You know what I mean? And Justin Jefferson, I said he was Mike Thomas. No, this kid, Amon Ross St. Brown, he's Scary Terry. He's Scary Terry 
and he's what wide receiver seventy three. Like you can take him in confidence, and you're gonna pay, it's gonna pay dividends. He's a gem as wide receiver seventy three. Let's give a, a since wide receiver is so deep. Um, if you guys have a bonus wide receiver to throw out there, um, my my bonus wide receiver. And I promise this is this has not been a homer. Jacoby Myers of the Patriots is my bonus uh, wide receiver. I believe that he is one of the latest wide receivers that you can get in the draft that by all accounts looks like he's going to be the number one wide receiver for his team. And it looks like he is taking over that Edelman-Welker role. As we talk about in the guard system, the role of the person that you're um, looking at drafting is so very much important. And that Edelman-Welker role has always produced fantasy points. The names have never been sexy, but whoever was in that role in this particular offensive style always produces PPR fantasy points. He He's right now being drafted in round 19, towards the back end of round 19. So wide receiver, Jacoby Myers of the New England Patriots. Barry, who you got? Um, My bonus guy, I'm, I would say I like Brian Edwards. Okay. Las Vegas. Like that uh, one, like that one. Raiders. Uh, he's currently like number 63. 63rd wide receiver on the list. Had a having a good camp. He's finally healthy. I you know he's a local guy, so I'm kind of familiar with him. Come from a good pedigree as far as family. His grandfather was a really good uh, athlete, and I think this is the year he's finally healthy. Last year he's a little banged up, but I think this year he's going to surprise a few folks. I like him better now. Actually, I like him better. Than I like Rugs this year for sure, as far as the receiving core on that. One of the things that threw me over the top for Rugs to be completely 100% transparent was the over-under that Vegas has on his receiving totals this year. Vegas is rarely wrong, and they had him like somewhere around um, 1,100 as the um, over-under for the yards. I was just like, man, I I don't really know. I may well take that. I'm yeah, not I, sure if he can hold, I hope he can hold up. But, you know, it's soft tissue. You know them yeah, yeah. fast guys, man. I agree, but that that just told me that maybe I was kind of overlooked. That that's what made me look into him a little bit more, and he ended up becoming one of my sleepers because I'm like, if, if Vegas sees it, let me look at it a little bit deeper and see what I can find. And the the Raiders' offensive players in general are all at a value. All of them, cars at a value. Ruggs is at a value. Edwards is at a value. John Brown is at a value. Hunter Renfro is at a value. Your boy Jacobs is at a value. Drake is going at a value. Like somebody has to put up numbers on this team. And for the last couple of years, they've been put. Waller is the only one that's kind of been recognized as an offensive weapon. Mm -hmm. Everybody else is discounted. Yeah. Um. Corey Davis was my my sleeper. Mm -hmm. I really think, guys, this is you never. There's no wide receiver one as low. Like period. He's like wide receiver 46. And I'm surprised. How's this man being drafted later than his 2020 finish? I mean, he finished 30th. I mean, but now he's 46. I think some people are scared of the Jets' name, not realizing that everything has changed. Yeah. And I guess with the new maybe with the new quarterback was Zach Wilson, but he's got mm-hmm. he's not looking like a rookie out there. Maybe paying exactly. attention, man. He, he looks really comfortable. I know he's being compared to Mahomes. But uh he, he doesn't he definitely doesn't like a rookie. Uh I know Elijah Moore didn't play. But every pass attempt, man, it's like they was looking Corey Davis's way. And I just don't think there's no wide receiver one in the NFL that's getting picked this late. As far as Elijah Moore, I just wish I would have seen something. I wish I would have seen at least him in one preseason game. I hear all the, the uh, all the other athletes talking about how good he is. And I hear the camp talk. I wish I could just see one preseason footage of him. I didn't see none of that. Which is why, that may be the only reason why he's still a sleeper, to be honest with you. So I'm kind of glad that he didn't Uh, You're right. The guys that, like us, that, you know what I'm saying, we we still paying attention. Like, okay, we just take them. You know, people sleep on them. But I wish I would have seen a little bit. I still grab them, though. Don't get it twisted. Like I said, Marquez uh, Callaway, someone got in in New Orleans got to catch passes besides uh, Alvin Kamara. And, And we've seen the chemistry that him and Winston seem like they have. Another thing yeah. I always like to talk about in uh, fantasy, when you see that backup comes in, a lot of times it's not the number one receiver that they're accustomed to. It's that third receiver because he's the guy that he's thrown to more in practice, if you follow me, right? So I like the connection that Winston, I think Winston probably have a better chemistry with a guy like Callaway over he probably would have with a Michael Thomas because when the second team rolls out, these are the guys that's rolling out with him. So I definitely love, love, love Callaway. 
And man, he's been shooting up. I mean, you talking about shooting up the boards. Yeah, he might not be asleep that, for much longer. Nah, he, he's, you know, we got to hurry up and get this draft season over. He's now like fifty-one. <laughs> you know, he's going like round ten. Wow, he's going in in front of the likes of Will Fuller, guys mm. like that. So, okay, even Curtis Samuel. So, Joe, what you got? I want to definitely bring attention to Amir Smith Marset on the Vikings. The potential wide receivers have grown exponentially with everything moving to a pass offense. Uh, ISM plays for the Vikings right now, and I think he's if he doesn't beat out K.J. Osborne, which is fine, uh, for all these dynasty holders or uh, people who play in keeper leagues, this is the best time to get this kid because his skill set is amazing. And I know like with wide receivers, there are a dime a dozen. We can say it about three dozen of them, and we'll still – can say they're amazing, but this kid, he is Stefan Diggs. And the Vikings uh, organization foresaw that. They had the foresight enough with Keenan McCardell and everybody else to pull the trigger and nab this kid. For anybody who has Twitter or follow anything Viking-related, he's killing it. And he's going to definitely thrive in the NFL. Year one, if Adam Thielen goes out, he's, oh, I'm getting him off of waivers. But for the rest of the scope of season, am I looking at him? No, but I know he's a nugget that's there. Barring injury, we'll see that skill set come out sooner or later. But he is Stefan Diggs. Think about this kid heavily and get him. Give, give him that name again, Joe. It's uh, Amir Smith Marset. Love it. Love it. So lastly, but not least, tight ends. Joe, let's start with your tight ends. Man, I went back to Anthony uh, Fersker. And then I actually went off my list. And I got to go back to my my Michael Smith uh, Jr. as well, too, for the Vikings. Those two uh, stood out for me. You said said the. uh, Who who was the. You said Irv Irv Smith. Smith. Gotcha. Mm -hmm. Okay. Gotcha. 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 Uh, My sleeper, man. You know who I'm going to be beating this drum also, man. Zach Hurts. I mean. The guy's not old. I don't, I, I just don't understand it. I understand they had like trade talk and contract issues and all that, but the talent is there. A few years ago, this is a top five tight end, and he's currently ranked twenty four. So that is crazy. You know, Goddard. I know Goddard was like he was going to be the guy coming in, but he hasn't really done a whole lot. You know, what I mean, I haven't seen much from him. Um, and, and, and it said that Hurts is actually kind of outplaying him in practice. So man. Hmm. Guys, wow. if you if you're not gonna get one of the top tier tight ends early in your draft like the Kelseys, the Wallers, just wait. Just wait. <laughs> Don't draft one. Take Zach Hurts. Undrafted. You for know what I mean? For, I would definitely take him at twenty four. And um for my second guy also like Anthony Ferska as well as a sleeper tight end. Nah, if I gotta pick somebody else, you gotta pick somebody else too. Joe got him first. Okay, cool. <laughs> um, the New Orleans tight end, Juwan Johnson. Okay, okay. Uh-huh. Now, is is um, Trotman is was that injury to him? Was it serious? Is he gonna be out for a little minute, or I believe do, do we have any updates he on, on Trotman with that one? He won't need surgery. He won't need surgery, but is it gonna be like did, did they did they give any type of a timeline or anything yet? That no, you know of? I think it's gonna be considerable. He's gonna miss at least. If I had to give an estimate, obviously it's subject to change, he might miss the first possibly two to four games. So we're talking about um, what was the name again, Barry? I'm not even familiar with this guy. See, hey, hey, Jawan Johnson. Jawan, he's a pretty tight end now for the Saints. Out of out of Oregon, huh? Sick, second year guy. Do they have anybody else on the depth? Like, what other tight ends? Do, do either one of you even have a clue of who else they may have on the depth chart at tight end behind him? Oh, man, they got Nick Van Nett from Seattle. He, he is Seattle oh, guy. So they have nobody. Okay, cool. <laughs> but, <laughs> well, Nick Van so, Nett, he's not, he's not too bad, but. He ain't too good either. Yeah. I like the kid, Juwan. Uh, he, he's a young guy, man. Probably a little more um, skilled than those guys. But okay, I think it, come it, out it, of it could definitely be up for grabs. You know what I mean? Um, James Winston has a history of throwing to the tight end. He does. He's in Tampa Bay. He, he loves the tight end, so. That's and he's one of those guys that doesn't run. So, again, that's why it's going to be great for Kamara, but it's also going to be great for the tight end as well. Um, my two tight ends are going to be Gerald Everett, who now plays for the Seattle Seahawks with Mr. Russell Wilson. And their current offensive coordinator used to be the offensive coordinator for the Rams 
who I can only imagine, who I can only imagine was very much instrumental in ensuring that Everett came over to that team. I'm looking at the fact that this will be the most skilled tight end that Russell Wilson has ever played with. Also looking at the wide receiver options there, defenses are not going to be able to key in on this guy. He's big. He's athletic. He's going to be a red zone nightmare. And I believe he's going to come out of nowhere um, with that tight end position. Um, Speaking of the Rams, my second tight end is going to be Tyler Higby. Um, Higby or Higbeast, as he's referred to, as he was referred to last year when he had that five game stretch that was up there with pretty much, I think he broke just about every tight end record in that five game stretch um, as far as um, being able to get that amount of yards and touchdowns within that many games in a row. But Higby now doesn't have Gerald Everett to um, take away targets and he's very much athletic. He's very much looked at in the red zone. Um, You're going to have a quarterback there in Stafford that made TJ Hawkinson um, the candidate to be the breakout that he's slated to be this year. Um, Stafford has always utilized his tight end, so I expect that to continue. And this particular offense has always utilized the tight end. It's just now less mouths to feed at that position because the other tight end that they have is more so of a blocker. Um, So I believe that Higby is going to be another one of those tight ends that you can get at the very tail end of your draft. And you don't really have to spend much capital if you can't get one of those top three or four guys that you may have had in mind. Um, Go ahead and punt the position because those guys in the middle have just about um, the same chance of producing as some of the guys that we've just talked about that you can get at the very end if you draft them at all versus picking them up off of waivers after you've made a trade or something of that nature. But just don't panic and take a tight end just because you don't have one. Um, in the mid rounds when you could have gotten a, a running back or wide receiver that would be much more valuable to your team long term. Um, so those are just some things to think about. Those are some sleepers to think about. Any last minute information either one of you guys want to throw out there as far as sleepers or concern? Chase Claypool is heavily undervalued in Megatron, well, he's already called Mapletron yeah. from Canada. I think <laughs> he's about to go bananas this year. And I love Deontay, but it, that's a good thing. Uh, just like I was, we closed out the last show because I said Rondell Moore to sneak in as a fourth receiver to have close to 100 targets. And I used the example of the Steelers. That led me to actually go into the show and look at Chase Claypool. What's miraculous, right, is that he broke what's called a Steelers rookie single season record in receptions with 62. That's like to me that as far as value, he already had 116 targets. But for a rookie, the Steelers only expect the, the most of a rookie ever caught was 62 receptions. Hmm. And that's where that's weird to me because this kid ceiling was way higher. Had he completed any more of his fit that 50% catch rate. And he he already had 11 touchdowns for the season. Let's add that part. And I'm not afraid of the target distribution. I'm not worried about it at all. Um, He's he's already by far their best wide receiver. Love Deontay. I love what he does against man coverage. He does against any coverage uh, based on, you know, analytics and numbers. He's ridiculous himself. But this is Mapletron. This is out. This this guy. I'm like I said. He's the reason why I'm gonna go running back heavy. He has wide receiver five upside. He had eleven. Wow. Okay. Wide receiver five. He's gonna be. He's gonna finish top five in receiving. So he put that one on the board. Yeah. That's uh. Yeah. Top five wide receiver Chase Claypool. You 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 don't want to revamp that to a uh, top ten, top twelve. No, 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 because I'm going to use this at the end of the season when we recapping this. We're going we gonna to remix this and use it as, as, as you know, how we're going to do the intro to the show. I like y'all it. Gotta, if y'all sleeping, y'all got to wake up to chase Claypool. I love Claypool. Don't get it twisted. 58% catch rate. So these are the guys that come in five and later. I'm going to throw out a few of those, and you, you tell me. 
that Claypool is going to put up more better numbers than better numbers than these guys. Oh yes, De- DeAndre Hopkins. Yes, definitely. Justin definitely. Jefferson. Yes, DK Metcalf. Ooh. I love DK. Come on, I'm a Seahawks fan. Yes, I gotta say yes. <laughs> AJ Brown. Oh fuck yeah! What is wrong with AJ Brown? That's a hype. Allen Robinson. Oh hell yeah! That's easy. Scary Terry and CD Lamb. Come on, baby. Why you had to have me say yes two more times? Okay. Mm. I, I I just I just wanted to. This guy's I just, make I just me, wanted to be clear. That's this all. This guy gonna make me draft Claypool. That's real. I mean, I, I, gotta I, I say get it. Yes. And and another thing, I think the lack of a, I think the running game is going to even make it even better because the that lack of a running game. Right, the lack of a running game last year. You know, that deep ball is gonna be nasty with that yeah, play action. Yeah. Running. Well, I'm gonna tell you like this, Joe. You have convinced me. I'm looking at my leagues right now, and it's funny because a couple of the leagues I already had them. I was just like, "Ooh, I ain't got to make a trade for them." But uh, yeah, I'm about to go ahead and try to <laughs> grab them up everywhere I can. So, I, 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 one thing I say about it: when you have that strong of a conviction for someone. I'm never disappointed at where they end up. Now, I still don't think he's going to be top five. But again, with where you can draft this guy and with the conviction that you have, I've never seen hey, you go that deep. If he's even top 10, I mean, that, exactly. It's still exactly. Good money, you know, so. Absolutely. That, that, that's one of those guys that can be considered as a league winner if he ends up being top 10, top 15 based on where you were able to draft him. So, that's why we call these guys sleepers. That's why we want to bring these guys to your attention. So that way you're able to not get into those deeper rounds and start to panic. Um, that's where a lot of people mess up their teams, mess up their bench, because you just end up putting a bunch of names that aren't going to produce for you on your bench versus having these sleepers that we know if we give you two, three, or four, minimally out of that four, two of them are going to end up being what we said. So that that's how convinced we are in our fantasy knowledge and in our track record that when we say it, you can pretty much take it to the bank. With that being said, that's going to do it for the sleepers episode. Next up, that's my man's in there.